Hello and welcome to another installment of the 444 Fantasy Football's Most Accurate Podcast. This is the ninth edition of the uh, bonus 2017 Draft Strategy Podcast where I have uh, some of my favorite analysts from the uh, industry on to, to talk about what they're seeing in uh, in their drafts uh, here in August. And today's guest, uh, you will know him uh, from Rotoworld. He is Rotoworld's uh, senior football editor, uh, Evan Silva. Uh, he's all over the place on Twitter at Evan Silva. Uh, he, he tweets all the time. He knows a lot about football. He's a great follow. If you're not already following him, although I think most of my followers and listeners are already following Evan. Uh, Evan, thanks for coming on. Thanks so much for having me, John. I want to start, uh, before we get into some of the draft, uh, strategy or, uh, observations that you're making, um, this year, I, I'd like to ask you about Ezekiel Elliott. Cause I saw you, uh, took a pretty strong stance on, on, uh, on him, once the the news of the suspension broke, he's going to be out for six games. He's trying to appeal it right now, but uh, you know it's not looking terribly good uh, for him. I think you called him a sucker pick. Can you explain a little bit why <laughs> I mean, why you are uh, anti Ezekiel Elliott? Maybe you know because what I've seen is people talking about him in the second or third round. You think that's a sucker pick, right? I think that that's not not a good investment of a second or third round pick. Um, you know, th- this guy has repeatedly put himself in situations where he um, could be at risk of league discipline. And, um, I, you know, I was a little bit down on Zeke Elliott to begin with uh, coming off his rookie season. Uh, I don't think the Cowboys are going to be an impose-their-will sort of team like they were last year. You know, they were incredible last year. They had the softest schedule in the league. They had... Uh, the best, you know, maybe top five offensive line. Um, they had depth on their offensive line. So, you know, you, you lose Lyle Collins early in the season. You plug in Ronald Leary and, you know, you, you lose nothing. Um, and their offensive line is different this year. Um, and I don't think they're going to be as good this year. They still have major problems on the defensive side. And uh, just everything was just kind of set up perfectly for Ezekiel Elliott last year. And things are going to be different this year on the field. Uh, and now we are dealing with a situation where we he may not be eligible to play for our fantasy teams until week eight. And um, and that's the likeliest outcome at this stage. Um, you know, some people speculate about these suspensions, but, you know, you, you read uh, the, the, the business analysts uh, in the football industry and they're certainly not optimistic about this suspension being expunged or anything. Um, like, and it, the, the likeliest outcome is that it remains at six games. And because they have the week seven bye, he's not eligible until week eight. Um, and then, you know, do we trust him to, uh, stay out of trouble for the next? I mean, that would he, so he would be returning, including what we have left of training camp. He'd be returning in two and a half months. You know, and, and again, he has put, repeatedly put himself in situations where, uh, you know, he, he is at risk of league discipline. So it's, you know, I, I just, I, I think I've viewed this from a different lens than, than, you know, other people who were taking him religiously at the third overall pick. You know, I, I never, he was never really the, the, a third overall pick consideration for me. And I'm, you know, he, he's a guy that I'm avoiding. I mean, I, I began the off season. I was like, I'm going to avoid this guy this year. And, uh, you know, he has done nothing but, um, you know, continue to give me reasons to avoid him throughout the evaluation process. 
So on the flip side, if you're if you're sort of anti Elliott uh, as a as a pick in the second or third round, would you be targeting Darren McFadden in the ninth round as a as a player that you know you're going to have him as a starter for for six weeks likely? And he's I mean his ADP is is rising, but I see it's it's plateauing here in the ninth round. Um, given everything that you said about Elliott, does that make a McFadden a nice pick there? I really like Darren McFadden as a pick. Uh, he has played. All of the first team snaps uh, so far, the the crucial first team slaps, snaps so far in the Cowboys preseason, and it looks like he's locked in as a starter. the The risk here is that again the schedule is really tough, um, but also Darren McFadden hasn't looked very good in his preseason snaps. He's he's looked pretty awful, uh, but again he's an old guy, you know, in the preseason he's been around the block, so perhaps he's just not. You know, he's not going all out. You know, he's trying to stay healthy and and keep himself healthy out there, which actually would be pretty smart. Uh, So I'm not sure that I'm putting a lot of stock into the fact that Darren McFadden hasn't looked good so far in the preseason. But that is, but that is a concern, you know. And Alfred Morris has looked awesome. I mean, uh, through two preseason games, they played two preseason games now. Uh, Pro Football Focus has Alfred Morris leading all running backs in elusive rating in the preseason, which you know means nothing, but it it is kind of confirmation of what we can see with our eyes that Alfred Morris has looked really good in the preseason. Uh, so. Uh, there, there's some risk there, but hey, in the middle rounds, I mean, you likely have the Cowboys starter for six games. And then if Ezekiel Elliott makes another mistake, you know, then uh, you, you might have the Cowboys starting running back all season long. Yeah, and I think Alfred Morris is basically free right now, so you could, you know, draft him in the 16th, 17th, 18th round, and along with McFadden, and, and have a pretty much uh, locked up uh, spot there in terms of the RB one for 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 Dallas for the first uh, month and a half of the. Of the season, I want to ask you about um, a tweet that I thought was interesting that you named "running back worries," and I'm just going to l- go down the list here of what you said about these guys that are going uh, mostly in the first and second, a little bit in the third round. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott, as we talked about, suspension, uh, turnover on the offensive line, uh, regression for Dallas. Uh, Lashawn McCoy is the team tanking; they just traded away their best uh, wide receiver and uh, cornerback. Uh, DeMarco Murray, he's got Derrick Henry breathing down his neck. He's got a hamstring injury in camp. Uh, Devonta Freeman uh, has the concussion. He's got Tevin Coleman behind him. Uh, Jay Ajayi, a multi-week concussion just coming back. He has a violent style, which is you know a risk for more concussions or uh, other to- uh, types of injury. Uh, they have a worrisome interior offensive line. Uh, Jordan Howard, bad team, struggles to catch the ball. He has maybe have a, a rookie quarterback this year. Uh, Leonard Fournette, he plays on a bad team as well. He has a foot injury now, and he had foot problems at LSU. Todd Gurley, bad team. He has 190-plus rushing yard game over the last 24 uh, games. Uh, Lamar Miller struggled on enhanced 2016 workload in a bad offense in Houston. These are our top, uh, outside of uh, David Johnson and LeSean, uh, or, I'm sorry, uh, uh, Le'Veon Bell, these are our next uh, 10 or so uh, running backs. What does this mean uh, for this normally, you know, first, second round, third round? These are these are supposed to be the guys we can count on. How is this changing your approach uh, in 2017 drafts? Well, I mean, let me ask you, John, you know, are you a little bit worried about this, this run, running, the, you know, these couple running back tiers, this group of what, 10 running backs here uh, that, you know, people are taking in the first 
three, four rounds. I mean, definitely the first three rounds, actually. And we, I could have, you know, done a little nugget there on uh, Marshawn Lynch, who's maybe as risky as any of them. But, but what are your feelings on these backs? Well, I came into this season really liking LaShawn McCoy as a middle first round pick. I thought he was going to have another good, good year, but I'm, you know, I am concerned that the team is doing some things uh, personnel wise that's going to probably hurt him. I mean, Watkins certainly helps the running game there. Um, and are they trying to win? And then you have DeMarco Murray. I, I, I felt like he was a pretty solid second round pick. I still think he's okay there. Uh, Freeman, uh, the concussion is a little bit worrisome. He just signed the big contract. Um, I felt like he's pretty good, especially in PPR, uh, at the one, two turn. Um, but you know, the concussion doesn't help. And then Ajayi, I really liked him in the second round until those multi week concussion. Uh, this is, it's been a couple three weeks now. And you, you, you hear him describe the symptoms that he's having. Uh, it's not, it's not real pretty. I wasn't ever real huge on Jordan Howard for, uh, I like Fournette in the third round. Um, but now he's got the foot injury. And I, I really wasn't big on Gurley or Lamar Miller in the second or third round. So that's sort of where I'm at. And I've been, um, after starting the year, targeting one of these guys, at least one running back coming out of the first two rounds to where I'm at the point where I'm going wide receiver, wide receiver again. And I'm starting to look at some of these middle round running backs. Me too, man. Me too. Um, LaShawn McCoy, I, you know, I, I have pretty much had the same exact line of thinking, I think, throughout the offseason regarding LaShawn McCoy as you. It, it is scary. It's worrisome that this team just traded their best wide receiver and their best cornerback. You, you know, you do not see that happen very often. Both guys were cheap. They were on their rookie deals. Darby had, Ronald Darby had two years left on his rookie deal. I mean, he's like a premium asset in the NFL. And I I understand that they, they run a different scheme, but again, this team just traded away their best wide receiver and their best cornerback. So, um, you know, are we going to see a little bit more Jonathan Williams maybe this year than we expected? Because he's still on his rookie deal with a couple years left. And, um, you know, I, I wonder if they would enter, entertain like trading LaShawn McCoy or, or trading Tyrod Taylor. You know, they, they, their wide receiver core right now is not built to play to the strengths of, of their quarterback. You know, and uh, with a Jay Ajayi, so he missed two weeks of training camp with this concussion. The dude is such a violent runner. I mean, I have to see, I have to believe that he's at at least a slightly elevated risk of, you know, further head uh, problems. Um, so, you know, and, and if he suffers a concussion during the season, how many how many weeks are we going to see him miss during the season if he just m- missed two full weeks uh, w- with a concussion? You know, so. Um, th- these guys are these guys are scary. And on the flip side, if you're in the first round, especially in PPR formats, you look at the receivers going there: Antonio Brown, Odell Beckham, Julio Jones, Mike Evans, AJ Green, Jordy Nelson, Michael Thomas. There are really no concerns that I can think of right. with any of these guys. Um, so these are like you're, you're trading uh, safety uh, if you're if you're going to go with the running back there after some of the uh, concerns that. That Evan listed in his tweet. Uh, you're you're pretty good though with uh, David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell at one or two. Oh yeah, absolutely. I just yeah. I think that the the middle round running backs are the sweet spot, and I think trying to get two of those, if you can get, and I have my my, my top tier for wide receivers, I think is seven receivers, uh, which would be Antonio Brown, uh, Jordy Nelson is in there, Julio Jones, Odell Beckham, 
you know, Michael Thomas is in there, uh, Mike Evans, Jordy Nelson. I, I said those guys. Yeah. Um, I, uh, but so I think what you want to do is try to get two of those first tier uh, wide receivers and then try to hammer running backs in the middle rounds. I'm not talking about reaching for the rookie running backs either. Um, I'm talking about like the actual middle rounds with Mark Ingram, who has been a top 10 producer in both PPR and non-PPR the last two seasons. Uh, This offense is looking good this year in New Orleans. I also like Adrian Peterson, especially in in non-PPR leagues, and I think he's going to score enough touchdowns to be a a factor in uh, in PPR leagues as well. Danny Woodhead should just eat targets and is a great uh, PPR pursuit I think in like the sixth and seventh rounds Carlos Hyde because of you know all the uncertainty surrounding his spot on the roster and just place in the scheme you know with a new uh, regime running the show there in San Francisco uh, you know his his ADP is he is devalued right now at his ADP he should be valued much higher uh, Spencer Ware looks like he's not really in any danger of losing uh, out to Kareem Hunt or anything like that. And Kareem Hunt will likely be just, uh, you know, uh, the number two back to open the season. Darren McFadden, who we discussed before, Jacquez Rogers, guy you can get in the ninth, tenth round and will give you three starts right off the bat. I mean, let me ask you this, John Paulson. So if you had to think about where you were going to rate, rank Jacquez Rogers in terms of just weekly rankings, you know, because this is your jam. Okay. Yeah. So, if you were going to think about, okay, so they play at Miami in week one, where do you think that Jacquez Rogers will end up in your weekly rankings? Well, how I'll approach it is I'll look at what they did without um, Martin last year, and it, it was pretty much the Jacquez Rogers show. Uh, he was seeing uh, 15, well, he saw 26 carries, 30 carries against uh, Carolina, 26 carries against San Francisco week seven, 19 carries against uh, Oakland week uh, week eight. I uh, finished with um, 15 and 17 carries against New Orleans and Carolina at the end of the year. Uh, I think it's pretty clear that he's ahead of Charles Sims when it comes to carrying the ball there. Uh, he'll get a few. He's not a huge reception guy anymore. Uh, but he'll get a couple for you. So, I, I, you know, I think you're looking at 15 to 20 touches as a pretty safe estimate. And, you know, you're probably looking at a top 12, top 15 uh, ranked player, um, especially you get into week two against the Bears. Mm-hmm. He might Got be in the top 10. If, you know, if he has a good if he has a good week one, he might be in the top 10 week two. See, all I wanted to hear you say was that he would be top 20 in those first three weeks. But you just said that he would he would, he has a chance to be even significantly higher than that. So that is a player that you can get in the ninth and 10th round and you get three quality starts right off the bat. And that gives you a three week window to figure out, you know, you know, maybe pick up a a stud running back off the waiver wire, you know, so that buys you some time. And there's a chance that Jacquez Rogers, if he plays well, you know, are they necessarily going to definitely jam Doug Martin back in? You know, maybe they will, but maybe they won't if Jacquez Rogers plays well. And we know that Dirk Cutter loves him. He brought him over from Atlanta, and uh, they re-signed him to a new two-year deal uh, in the offseason. So I, I love Jacquez Rogers in, like, that ninth, tenth round. So we've, we talked about the running back position uh for a while, so let's let's go to the quarterback position. I was going to ask you position by position what you're what you're thinking, 
Are you a late round quarterback guy, or is there a situation where you would take a Tom Brady or a or a Drew Brees or an Aaron Rodgers in the early rounds? Pretty committed to late rounds. Um, earliest I've really been going is like Russell Wilson when he makes it to the eighth round. Other than that, not 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 too much Brady Rodgers or, or Brees. So when you get into those late rounds, who are your, who are your main targets? Kirk Cousins. Um, I've warmed up to Ben Roethlisberger. He's definitely not a, uh, you know, not not a great health bet. But uh, Martavis Bryant's presence in the lineup has been a significant difference maker for Ben Roethlisberger's split stats historically. Um, and they they open with a pretty soft schedule, which I always like to see. And uh, I like Carson Palmer a lot. They have a super super soft schedule after really underachieving last season. And I think that that Carson Palmer Larry Fitzgerald stack is going to get off to a really hot start. You know, I I wish that Andy Dalton had a, a little bit easier road in the early going. I wish that Philip Rivers did. Uh, you know, uh, I, I like Dak Prescott. He's another. You know, quarterback that opens with a terrible schedule early in the season. Giants, Broncos, and Cardinals on the road uh, in the first three games. Uh, but after that, it, it really loosens up for uh, Dak Prescott. But when I'm drafting a quarterback, you know, in, in like a season-long redraft league, I want to make sure that, like, I want to start that guy in week one. And so I, I'm big on looking at, you know, what who are these late-round quarterbacks playing Early in the year, another team that I, or another late round quarterback that I really like, and he actually goes. He, I don't even know if we would consider him a late round quarterback anymore because he's like a ninth or tenth round pick. Is Marcus Mariota, and they have some great looking games on their schedule early in the season at home against the Raiders in Week One. Yeah, you mentioned Palmer. Uh, he he starts with Detroit, uh, Indianapolis, both games in the dome on the road, uh, Dallas, and then San Francisco at home uh, in the dome. So that's a good, that's about that's as good about as it's going to get. As good as it gets, dude. Yeah. yeah. So, and he's, dude, he's the 20. Think, just looking at those matchups, Paulson, you know, where do you think that you're going to have Palmer in, in the rankings at that time? I'm, I'm sure that some of it will hinge on Smokey Brown, I guess, but where are you going to have him? Yeah, it's going to depend somewhat on the lines, but I would expect you know the lines and the over/unders to be pretty high. I think I've already run uh, rolled out uh, week one rankings. Um, I can quick look. Palmer, eh. Palmer's right now is ranked as a mid QB two, um, like which 18? yeah, which is that's a bit low. I'm looking at the guys that are above him, and um, you know I haven't we 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 published uh, week one rankings to get the get the numbers in there for the DFS folks, but I haven't looked at them closely in, in a while. But, you know, if you were just to rank quarterbacks based on their first four games, Palmer might be in the top 10, top eight, and that's a pretty good start if you're, you know, grabbing him as the 18th or 20th uh, quarterback off the board. So I like that I like that plan. I also am pretty high on Mariota. I have him in my top five for the season. Uh, I think nice, the, the additions that they, they made with Corey Davis and Eric Decker – um, indicate, I don't know if it's going to happen, but it indicates that they're going to open up the offense a little bit, uh, you know, investing so much in the passing game. I'm just hoping he can stay healthy because when he's played, he's played at a top six, top seven uh, level. So, Oh, yeah. Uh, he, was the, he was the quarterback four through week 12 last season. Yeah. And then he had a couple games in his career where he's been knocked out early, and that kind of throws off his per-game numbers. And he yes. removes those. He's even, he even goes even higher. So. Uh, I'm a big fan of Mariota, but I think this is one of those years where, you know, 
if you are sitting there in the third round and you hate all your options, you could afford to take a luxury pick with, with Rogers, Brady or, or, or breeze, probably not in the third round with breeze. You can get him in the fourth or, or maybe even the fifth. Um, but there's just so many guys that you can, I mean, I'd be comfortable starting 17, 18 guys, uh, week one. I mean, not counting matchups right now, just, just looking at the, their season long projections. I mean, having these guys as my starter all the way down to, to, um, Dalton or Tyrod Taylor, I think it's I think I'd still be comfortable there with those even, guys. Even Sam Bradford, and I, I kind of like the Vikings this year offensively. Sam Bradford opens up Week One at home against the Saints. Mm. I mean, he's he's gonna. I mean, I I would rather I would rather start Sam Bradford at home against the Saints, I think, than Andy Dalton against the Ravens in Week One. I think. Yeah. And I don't know. Yeah. I don't know about that. Um, that's a tough one. Yeah, that is a tough one. That is a tough one. Let's move on to the receiver position. You said you're an advocate of, of drafting a couple studs early uh, in the draft, one, two uh, stud stud receivers, and then you want to pound the middle round running backs. Is there any are there any receivers that you would stray from that strategy to grab in the middle rounds? Somebody that you know you would pass up a, a Spencer Ware in order to grab them in the fourth or fifth or sixth round, or maybe the eighth or ninth. Um, is there anybody there that just looks like a screaming value to you at the receiver position? Uh, Jeremy Macklin. And yeah. he's he's not a fourth or fifth round pick. I mean, you can pretty much get him in the seventh round every time. And he is set up really nicely to dominate targets in an offense that has led the NFL in pass attempts each of the past two seasons. I don't think they're going to be you know, number one again this year. Uh, they, I don't think they can afford to be because, you know, especially with their quarterback – um, nursing this back injury and their offensive line is just, I mean, they lost another starter on the offensive line last week, Alex Lewis, who they had a lot of hope for, uh, as a left guard, he's out for the season. They lost Rick Wagner in the off season. Um, so, you know, they, they are going to have to run the ball a little bit more, but they're, I still think their best chance to move the ball is going to be through the air because of the offensive line problems, because they don't have a great, stable of running backs and it's going to be a lot of you know high percentage stuff joe flacco has the big arm but he checks it down as much as any quarterback in the league and i think it's going to be a lot of short stuff to danny woodhead and uh, jeremy macklin's going to end up being like a 50 percent slot receiver in that old steve smith role uh, and he's going to run a lot of high percentage routes as well uh, and that sets him up to just he he should eat targets i don't know what what is your what are your feelings on macklin this year paulson well it's a uh... It's the switching of the offense or, you know, going to a yeah, new team. Don't like gener- yeah. I don't like that. I, I, uh, unless they're getting an upgraded quarterback, which, you know, I guess you could argue that he is, uh, I don't know, Flacco, Alex Smith. I don't know. Um, or he's getting an upgraded targets, which that he might be getting that, you know, he might, cause he, cause the Ravens throw the ball so much. You might end up with Macklin with 120, 140 targets. And that would, I think that would be an upgrade from what he was seeing last year in the sort of a slower uh, ball control offense in Kansas City. So I, there's a case for that. I, I feel like the value in, in Baltimore is, is with Mike Wallace, who's, he finishes Ooh. in the top 25 every year. Right. Um, you've got, you know, more targets available. I don't think that Macklin gets all of Steve Smith's, uh, Dennis Pitta's uh, targets. I, I know they're going to have a tight end there soaking up some of those targets as well. Um, you know, I think both of these guys could outperform their ADP given that they're both going, Pretty low. Uh, is there anybody else at the receiver position that uh, is jumping out at you as a, as a good value? 
I mean, I always like taking Deshaun Jackson uh, in the middle rounds of best ball drafts, but, you know, don't love taking him uh, in redraft season long. I think Tyrell Williams has a, has a chance to be a factor in both best ball and redraft season long. Certainly if Keenan Allen gets hurt again, I'm not counting on that, but uh, I think even as the number two receiver, he's going to have a lot of big plays. Um uh, so yeah, so Macklin, Deshaun Jackson, and Tyrell Williams, I think, are guys to consider. But I really just love starting like three or four receivers in a row, and then and then jumping into Mark Ingram. Gotcha. And you, would you take Ingram and Peterson at this? Yes. On the same team. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Let me uh, let me ask you this, and since you're you you mentioned uh, Deshaun Jackson, I did a I just pulled some numbers where I looked at Philadelphia and Washington with. Deshaun Jackson in the lineup without Deshaun Jackson in the lineup. And the reason I wanted to do this was to see if I was maybe underestimating what uh, Jameis Winston might be able to do this year with, with Jackson uh, in the fold, but in 20, 126 games with, with Deshaun Jackson, 274 yards passing for these teams, 7.8 yards per attempt, 1.58 uh, touchdowns per game. Uh, the rushing yards, 123 rushing yards uh, with him. And if you, if you go look at without, He's uh, 18 games without only 250 yards passing, 6.6 yards per attempt, which is a big drop from 7.8, and then rushing yards 123 down to 98 without Deshaun Jackson. How much do you think he changes that offense there in Tampa? Oh, I think that he's definitely going to make it more efficient. I think my question comes in. You know that. You, have you been watching much Hard Knocks? Yeah, I've watched uh, the first two episodes. Okay. Yeah. Um, so Dirk Cutter sits down Jameis and tells him, you know, and this is a nice way of saying that he's like turnover prone, but it's, and that, you know, you're, you're, you are not, you know, you know, you're, you're, you're essentially prone to turnovers because you're a playmaker quarterback. You're like Aaron Rodgers. That was a very nice way of saying that we got to, you know, we got to keep you under wraps a little bit. We, we love you, you know, and we love your talent and we're continuing to, put put great weapons around you but you know i mean do you remember what they did last year because in the first three games they were leading the nfl in pass attempts and then they came out in week four or week five or whatever it was and they ran jacques rogers 30 30 times in a row on um you know monday night football or, or whatever yeah monday night football against the uh or against the panthers yes that was the D- Derek anderson game um so i you know, I just I think that they're going to be a balanced offense, and they can afford to be because I think their defense is pretty good. So I don't think we're going to see Jameis top ten or top twelve in the NFL in pass attempts, but I do think that they're going to be more efficient, and that's hard for me to. I don't know. I haven't taken a strong stance on Jameis. I, I have him as the quarterback thirteen, uh, but. You know, also with acknowledging the, the the possibility that this offense just really, really takes off this year, but I think that they're going to be pretty balanced. Yeah, he's usually gone by the time I'm willing to draft him, and that's sort of what I wanted to look at this yes. and see how much Deshaun Jackson might might help him because he's a big upgrade over Vincent Jackson, who's uh, kind of past his prime. Yeah, that uh, conversation that you alluded to on Hard Knocks really sounded like uh, uh, Dirk Cutter wanted. Uh, Jameis to just be more careful with the ball and that might affect his uh, his overall production. He was one of the lead, uh, league leaders in deep ball uh, attempts last year and that really fits well with Deshaun Jackson. Uh, but if he's cutting back on that to be 
uh, a little more careful with the ball, that might uh, offset that uh, increased uh, production potential there with those two, with his big arm and uh, Deshaun Jackson's speed. So we've talked about uh, quarterback, we talked about running back, we talked about receiver. Let's talk a little bit about tight end. What's your tight end strategy for 2017? Definitely open to Gronk early, you know, mid mid second round every time, pretty much at this point. You know, in the third round, it gets difficult, man. We, I mean, we had Sammy Watkins there, who I actually liked in the third round for a while. I'm essentially completely off him at this point. You know, uh, I'm 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 guessing that you are too because of your approach to the wide receivers changing teams. Yeah, absolutely. With Sammy getting a downgraded quarterback, he he might see more targets, but the the quality of the targets are decreasing. Uh, I probably have him as a fourth or fifth rounder now. Yeah, I agree, um, but. That third round is is tricky, I think. Um, you know, I, I've started to really warm up to Brandon Cooks actually in that third round, even though it's hard. I think from a stat, purely from a stat projection standpoint, to be super bullish on him. You know, when you're divvying out targets to guys just on a stat projection basis, but Brandon Cooks is playing with Tom Brady and. You know, they've apparently been riffing in practice and, um, you know, he's, but he's been a guy that I've like felt myself like forced to embrace as a third round pick, even though I don't have a a high level of, uh, you know, statistical confidence in him. Um, but Travis Kelsey has been one of my favorite third round picks. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I will, I will definitely take him in the third round. Jordan Reed, when he gets to the fourth round, uh, which he does regularly at this point, um, especially with the toe injury, because that scares people, you know, he's been the PPR tight end one in per game points in each of the last two seasons. He's outscored Gronk in per game PPR scoring each of the last two seasons. So I'm cool with being aggressive at tight end. I think that the, the area that I'm going to end up with the most uh, tight end exposure to though, is like the, that third or fourth tier with Delaney Walker and Martellus Bennett. I think that both of those guys can score a lot of touchdowns. Uh, I love the offenses that they play in. I think they're going to be very, very efficient. Uh, and, you know, I, I I love where they go in drafts, like that ninth, tenth round turn. You know, I will take those guys every time. You know, and, and in, in a best ball league, I'll take them on the same team, you know, at that ninth, tenth round turn. Would love to do that. But I like them as uh, season-long redraft starters as well. So let me ask you about a few more guys that are sort of going in that same uh, group. Uh, you know, Zach Ertz uh, with Jordan Matthews leaving. Does that does that help his overall outlook? Uh, Eric Ebron, uh, we got Galladay there uh, stepping in, maybe into more of a red zone role. Is he is he hurt by that? With with Bolden gone, it looked like he might be uh, seeing more than one or two touchdowns uh, this year. What about Jack Doyle? What do you think of him? Yeah, yeah. So this is the exact. Uh, tier right under that Martellus Delaney Walker tier for me. And so this is the tier that, that I, I, I try to avoid at this point. Um, but, but I do, I, I agree with you that Jordan Matthews gone, that should theoretically help Zach Ertz. Uh, the Eagles offense, Hey, you know, there are plenty of people that work inside the league that are very confident that Carson Wentz is the real deal, even though he didn't really impress us after beyond his first four or five games last year. 
but you know there are plenty of, of smart people that think that Carson Wentz is the real deal, and this offense could potentially take a big step forward, getting back Lane Johnson, adding Alshon, and you know what we I mean we want our tight ends to score touchdowns, you know, but that is not something that Zach Ertz has really ever done. Uh, but if they become just a better offense that becomes more efficient and gets into re- the red zone and into scoring position more, that's going to help Zach Ertz a lot. Ebron, you know, he's back on the shelf with a hamstring injury. He actually returned on Monday, and then he sat out Wednesday. You know, so that makes you wonder, like, did the dude have a setback? You know, we don't know. Um, one beat writer called it disappointing that uh, Eric Ebron was back on the shelf on Wednesday. Jack Doyle. Uh, you know, it's it's all tied to Andrew Luck. This guy will be worthless if if Andrew Luck isn't playing. He, Jack Doyle is probably going to be worthless. Um, so this is the tier I'm trying to avoid at this point and, and trying to hit that Delaney Martellus. Uh, you know, if not grabbing a, an early round tight end uh, as well. And lastly, I'll, I'll ask you about uh, Kyle Rudolph. Uh, he seems to be a little bit underdrafted, uh, given that he finished as the number two PPR tight end last year. Uh, he had a career year. Uh, he's sort of in that uh, wheelhouse for the uh, uh, you know peak tight end production in terms of age. Uh, what do you? I mean, nothing's really changed there in Minnesota. What do you make of Rudolph? Yeah, his number spiked last year. Uh, after Pat Shermer took over and Norv Turner is always the guy who's been hailed as, you know, the tight end guru because he had the privilege of coaching Antonio Gates for about 10 seasons. Uh, but uh, Kyle Rudolph became even more a focal point of the Vikings offense last year after Pat Shermer took over. So like to see that led all tight ends in red zone targets uh, last year and overall targets. And I mean, you know, he's got chemistry with Sam Bradford, and that's something that you can hang your hat on. I think this offense is going to be good, as we talked about earlier. Their schedule loosens up so much uh, off of last season. Uh, you know, they're playing indoors. This will be uh, all these guys' second year together, really. And I love uh, the dude, Adam Thielen, who stepped up last year and uh, became like a, a very strong number two receiver. Uh, they just, I think they have a lot of weapons. Their offensive line, it just needs to be respectable. Uh, and I think that Zach, uh, or Rudolph is going to have another very good season. Again, just all those red zone targets, man. That, that's what you love to see at the tight end position. All right. So I said that the last question was the last question, but this is really going to be the last question. Is there anybody uh, in the TE2 ranks, uh, maybe ranked uh, 16 to 24, 16 to 30? That you you might draft as a second tight end on the case that they might uh, on the off chance that they might blow up or or you know have a bigger year and, and maybe use them as trade bait. It's hard to trade a onesie position like tight end. But what about those you know for owners that are in two tight end leagues or, or looking for some upside uh, in later rounds? Is there anybody out there like that uh, for you? Yeah, I kind of like Jason Witten a little bit. I know that this is a really boring uh, fantasy pick, but. He should be due for some positive touchdown regression. He's only scored three in each of the last two seasons, but he does have a lot of red zone usage. I know he just, he can't, you know, he can't accelerate like he used to, and he can't, you know, run. I mean, he just, he can't run anymore. Um, So that, you know, that, that will always have like a limiting impact on his potential, but on on his ceiling, but he's also a guy who could easily score six or seven touchdowns based on opportunities. Um, you know, on a team that I think is going to throw a lot more this year, I think we're going to see the Cowboys throw a lot more. They're not going. They're not going to have Zeke uh, for a big chunk of the season. It looks like, and um, 
their defense is not very good, and you know they're playing much tougher opponents. So they're going to be in more competitive games than they were last year. They just ran over teams last year, and I don't think they're going to be able to do that quite as much this season. Uh, and then Austin Hooper, who would be a little bit more of a sexier name, uh, but he was one of the best blocking tight ends in the league right away as a rookie. He was super, super efficient. He has like playmaking ability in the seam. He was a really good athlete, better athlete than Hunter Henry. Uh, and, you know, Hunter Henry goes about six rounds ahead of where Austin Hooper goes. And I think Austin Hooper can equal or if not outscore Hunter Henry. I think that Austin Hooper is going to end up with more opportunity than Hunter Henry behind Antonio Gates this year. And you mentioned Witten. I just would like to point out this stat. I love this stat. Uh, He has finished in the top 11 in PPR formats for 13 straight years. And he is the 17th tight end off the board in that, in that format going in the 13th round. So if you, really want to wait and do late round tight end uh you know Witten in the 12th or 13th round you can really load up elsewhere and you'll get you have a pretty good chance that you're going to get uh, baseline type numbers with him yeah. i love the point that you made about ezekiel elliott being out because those first six games they they may be looking for other ways to score touchdowns as opposed to running, running the ball with darren mcfadden and and Witten's one of those guys that they can use in the red zone you know, you look at those first three games where it looks ugly for Dez because Dez is going to have to be dealing with Janoris Jenkins and then the Broncos cornerbacks and then Patrick Peterson. But, you know, the, the Giants, that's a team that's always gotten gashed by Jason, by, by tight ends. Uh, so that's actually going to end up being a, a game, a game that like plays to Jason Witten. Jason Witten has always smashed the Giants, by the way. Uh, and then that second game, you know, tight ends have given, uh, that Broncos defense as much trouble as any other position. Um, so Witten's going to be like a really good streamer in the first two weeks of the season. And that makes him a good pick on draft day if you're, if you're looking to stream the position because you want somebody early on to have a good matchups like you just mentioned. So thank you very much, uh, Evan. That's all the time we have. Uh, I appreciate you coming on and being a part of this uh, 2017 draft strategy series on uh, 4 for 4. Thanks so much for having me, Paulson. Lo- love talking some ball with you. All right. We'll see you next time on uh, 444 Fans Football's Most Accurate Podcast.